0: You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church.
1: This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jen Wilkin and JT English. Hey, 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 hey. what's up? We're talking about we're uh, finishing, we're finishing the first half of the book of Acts today. That's fun.
0: 12 chapters in the can. For and, really? and
1: right there at the end, the word goes forth and somebody gets eaten by eaten worms. Eaten by worms. So, I feel like I mean, you're, that's going out with a bang.
0: You, you, this is an unspicy uh, title you've given to you this. Know, you could have gone with Eaten by Worms. I
1: really could have. That I did, is self control. Scattered to Orleans. the Wind is, is maybe not the most clickbaity title, but I've restrained. I, I held back a little bit. <laughs> Sanctification. Yeah, exactly. Well, I hope you enjoy the discussion. All right, so uh, I want to hear a little bit about Christmas traditions. We're here in December. Do you guys have any tradition that you do in your household that you're like, oh, yeah, this is our fun Christmas tradition?
0: Uh, We had – when the kids were smaller, we started – there's an Advent book that we read each year. And so you know it's like one page a day. It has little doors Mm -hmm. you open, and it just tells the Christmas story. So the kids eventually – it was like a lazy way to have them memorize the Christmas story and they still every year even though we're not all in the same place for all of advent to read it they still sit down on christmas eve and we read through the whole thing and then the next morning we open that's the really door cool. that spoiler
2: alert has a picture of the baby jesus on it that's awesome yeah. i love that that is cool we, i don't i need i want to do something like that this year we've not done that yet uh i mean we do some pretty simple stuff like doesn't sound super spiritual. We live in a neighborhood that has lights pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so every year we just get some hot chocolate and we go walk around That's the fun. neighborhood together with the kids in the stroller. It's really fun.
1: I love that. Yeah. We do a gingerbread house. Lauren and I did it while yes. we were dating before kids and now we folded Lydia into that and we do like this gingerbread house competition with some friends Uh Um, and so we all build gingerbread houses together (laughs) and then (laughs) post them on Instagram to see like who's going to win
0: like number of likes is what wins
1: Uh, no you like vote I guess I don't know how Instagram works Uh, but there's a a, poll Uh, and then uh, we do like an in-house one where we build uh, a gingerbread house together, and we have a blast with it.
0: Do you actually eat them after no. you?
1: I've, we've done it before. But we you eat did. while you're
0: building, right? Of course. Okay. Okay, yes.
1: okay. Yeah. Of course. But not when we're done. We're not like okay. Time to munch on this thing, you know? Because the ingredients, <laughs> especially with the box sets, are not like
2: quality. Tasty, yeah.
1: It's you know yeah. building supplies. Um, well, today we're talking about axe, and uh, we are wrapping up kind of the first half of the book of Acts as we end this season of Knowing Faith. Uh, we'll pick up on the second half of the book of Acts as we enter into the next season of Knowing Faith, season four. So we hope you'll continue the journey with us. But we are today at the back part of Acts chapter 11, and maybe we'll kind of jump into Acts chapter 12 a little bit as well. If you were with us for the last episode, you, you know we looked at the story of Peter and Cornelius, and we talked about the gospel going forth and the spirit falling on the Gentiles and how this is a big moment in the history of Acts and in the history of redemption. Um, And that Acts has been telling this story, the story of the church being birthed and moving from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth. And um, when we last left our characters, we were with Peter and Peter was making a very strong case to the Jerusalem council that, listen, God is moving among the Gentiles. I have seen it. He appeared to me in a vision, in prayer, and then I went and I was faithful with it and I saw the Spirit fall on the Gentiles. And in Acts eleven eighteen, it says, when they heard these things, they fell silent. They glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Okay. So now we move forward into the last part of the book of Acts. So Jen, why don't you just tell us, where are we at? After Peter's appearance with the Jerusalem council, what's the next thing that happens here?
0: Well, we're seeing a pattern that we have seen throughout the book of Acts where we saw the narrative expand and contract so you may remember in the earlier sections where we had sort of these idyllic statements about what the early church was like, where they shared all things in common. and uh, There's a lot of alls and everys in those sections and that's what we're seeing here. We've just seen uh, a scene where uh, Peter is interacting with the Gentiles. It's a a big picture of what's going on between the, the spreading church and unbelievers and now we're going to zoom back in and we're going to see another sort of it's not idealized but idyllic language about what the church is like uh within itself so specifically the church in antioch and so the sort of the repeated refrain that you hear um is that uh the church is multiplying in, in a miraculous way
1: yep so the church is beginning to multiply and there's growth here. Uh, and one of the things in verses 19 through 30 is you're seeing that, man, uh, there is a going forth. It's not just a growth, but it's a growth among an increasingly diverse mm-hmm. group of people, mm-hmm. right? That's right. So you have there that, uh, now those who were scattered because of the persecution. Now, what is that? what's the scattering that's happening here?
0: Well, um, it says that the one that arose over Stephen, so after Stephen's martyrdom, uh, and what we saw, you you might have thought that the martyrdom of Stephen would have satisfied some impulse to strike out against the movement, but as is typically the case, what it does is it ignites even further persecution, that, they, that just as we have seen the prayer for the apostles be answered, and the, and the prayer for the early church be answered, that God would increase their boldness, that even as their boldness is increased through the power of the spirit, that so the boldness of their adversaries is increasing along with it.
1: Yeah. So there is a persecution. We see the martyrdom of Stephen. Uh-huh. There is a scattering of the scattering. church and it says uh, that they went as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. And then it says the speaking of the word to no one except Jews. But then immediately after it says, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So we're seeing this kind of still mm-hmm. this tension, right? That there's like, it's going forth and they're, they're they're not sharing the good news with anybody but Jewish people, but that there are some who are starting to embrace the Gentile aspect of this mission. Yeah. I love that
2: phrase. Uh, there's a few things. I'll, first, we've talked about over the last 11 chapters that one of the main things you're going to see is, and the word of God increased, or they were preaching the lord jesus christ like the centrality of preaching the gospel mm-hmm. is one of the things you see but here in verse 20 right after it says in verse 19 speaking the word to no one except jews but there were some of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i just find great comfort in that mm-hmm. like the anonymity of mini- of ministry yeah. and mission it's yeah. just yeah. because where do they go preach yeah. they go preach in antioch yeah which becomes one of the most like the biggest and influential churches yeah. Yeah. in the early church yeah. it's a place that They were first called Christians. Yeah. And so you just see like, man, some of these guys, they just, who knows what they were doing, but they went to Antioch because of the dispersion and they preached Jesus and it becomes this mega church where people become Christians. They love studying the Bible. They love Jesus. Why does it happen? Is it because there is some mega church pastor that decided, you know, I'm going to go plant a church in Antioch. That wasn't it. It was just faithful Christians preaching Jesus wherever they were. Yep.
0: Well, and these these chapters, like chapters 9 through 12, they represent sort of a handoff between the story of Peter and the story of Paul. Mm -hmm. And so you can see the text is sort of bouncing back and forth between those two vignettes, so to speak. And then in this case, in this portion at the end of 11 and going into chapter 12, we're seeing a lot of the people and the places that are going to factor importantly into the second half of the book of Acts as we pick up Paul's story being introduced to us. So Barnabas, we're going to you know, we're going to see a lot of Barnabas. We're going to see more about the church at Antioch. Um, we're going to learn more about the Hellenists. These are all things that as we move, the narrative is going to shift from the pattern that we've seen of the expanding and contracting uh, of the local church, you know, the, the, the view of the local church to then following Paul on his missionary journeys, and his missionary journeys are going to take him with and to uh, the people and the places that we're we're hearing about. Right. So, so it's a mechanical piece as well. right? As a, yes.
1: there's. Right. It, it's kind of detailing you that, listen, the church is going to spread and that later when you encounter some of these people in some of these places, this is where it was coming from. Yes, yeah. correct. So it says that when he, um, that the report came to the ears of the church of Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas to Antioch and eventually Barnabas connects with Saul. Mm-hmm. He says he went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church, taught a great many people. I love this part of the story because I kind of see the Barnabas-Saul connection as a like a uh, John Lennon Paul McCartney moment, right? <laughs> like these two great collaborators, this great pairing in the history of the church. This is a little like glimpse right here. And I also like this story because it reminds me a lot of this is just me, my historical theology nerding out here a little bit. I love this story because it reminds me a little bit of Calvin and William Farrell. Oh, yeah, where, yeah. Where like. There's this encounter where William Farrell is like – essentially like he's like, hey, John Calvin, I see you. Uh, you're going to stay here and we're going to partner together in ministry. So I love the Barnabas-Saul connection for that reason as well. But so we see them unite together. And how does this – like you just mentioned a minute ago how it mechanically is yes. setting up the rest of the New Testament. But, but what is – I mean, a lot of things happens in these short verses here. You get the scattering, you get the connection between Barnabas and Saul. And so how are, how is this laying the groundwork for not just the rest of Acts, but the rest of the New Testament?
0: Well, I mean, the epistles are going to be referring to things that have happened during Paul's missionary journeys. And so that's one of the fun things about going through the book of Acts is connecting these writings to the time in which he is, is
2: on his travels.
0: I don't know if that's what you were getting at when you asked that question. Yeah, and
2: you see, what is it, Acts 1, 8. Um, I'm just going to go back to it and read it so I get it right. Uh, But you'll receive power when Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses Mm -hmm. in Jerusalem, which they've done, and in Judea, which they've done, mm-hmm. in Samaria, which they're doing, and then to the ends of the, earth. Ends of the so earth. This is the structure of what he told us was going to happen anyway. And now he's just showing this is happening. They're going on to Antioch and they're going to continue going to the ends of the earth preaching Jesus.
0: And yeah. he's doing it very artfully, too, like from a literary standpoint. One of the things that's happening, like we read, uh, you know, back at, at, at the end of chapter 9 about the conversion of Saul. And we immediately want to start calling him paul right and i really i gotta say honestly it wasn't until we started going through the book of acts that i realized that acts doesn't do that he's still being called saul mm-hmm. in fact you can see that a number of years have gone by since right. his yes. conversion yeah. he's kind of like just he's in the crockpot of theology or right. whatever you want to call it he's like you know getting connecting all of his jewish knowledge to his 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 uh new covenant knowledge or right. whatever is going on and uh and yet he's still called Saul. And what, what Luke does as he's writing the narrative is as long as the audience to which he is addressing his message is Jewish, he calls him Saul. And then you'll see the text flips. As soon as he begins addressing Gentile um, audiences, he right. is called Paul because Paul would be his Gentile, his, 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 um, his Greek name.
1: Get your copy today. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. Ten Women Who Changed the World is seminary president Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. Ten Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. And so this it starts to move us forward. So we've got Acts 11, but then as we enter into Acts chapter 12, immediately we start to see more persecution, right? Yep. And so there's, there's more, I mean, it just starts off about that time, Herod, the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And then we get to see the rescue of Peter and the death of Herod. How, how is Acts 12 set like. What is going on here that is integral for the rest? Because uh, at least in the Bible study, mm-hmm. you guys have drawn the, the line of demarcation mm-hmm. at Acts twelve, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why there?
0: Um, well, mainly because it, it's sort of the handoff between Peter's stories and Paul. Peter's story and Paul's story. But okay. what we see here with Peter is you're seeing the increasing persecution, right? Like what when when you get to the end of verse five and Peter is in prison, you're fully expecting based on what happened to Stephen and based on what happened to James. Peter is about to die, yes. like that is what you are assuming, and so what we 're going to see here is another just miraculous intervention of the Lord on behalf of his messenger, okay, so of course, then it picks up with this uh, King Herod who is throwing him into prison, and then you see a parallel story to what we 've seen previously with it with people being set free from From uh, bondage, there's an angel that comes and appears to him and some significant language. It says that he tells him to get up quickly and that his chains fall off. And the angel says, dress yourself and put on your sandals, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And to a Hebrew audience is listening to this. They're immediately thinking of Moses. Yeah. The Exodus. This is the story of the Exodus. So Peter in miniature is going to be um, released from his bondage and led out of captivity
1: yeah man i've never thought about that at all i've never connected that
2: so i think i think my new bible study tool is just going to be thinking about how every single story points goes back, back to either genesis <laughs> or, exodus. or exodus yeah it's a pretty good a pretty,
1: it really is it works most of the time 99 of the time it works 60 percent of the time um and he went out and followed him it says and he did not know where he was being done by the angel was real but thought he was seeing a vision when they had passed the first the second guard that came to the iron gate peter came to himself he said now i'm sure that the lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of herod and from all that the jewish people were expecting so he sees that like god has rescued mm-hmm. me here um but I here's
0: think, the irony i mean don't miss the irony of the scene this is peter being rescued from who The Jewish people. So that's why the the reference to the Exodus would be such a pointed one because he's not being freed from an enemy who is not his brother. He's being freed from the enemy who is his brother. Yeah. Wow. Ethnically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And especially in light of all of the stuff that's been happening with the Gentile inclusion. Right. So it's like it's even a kind of a – There's so much redefinition of who the people of God are right now. Uh, And and this is another story that's just kind of illuminating that. That's pulling that out. Um, It goes on to say, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice In her joy. She did not open the gate, but ran and reported that Peter was sitting at the gate. And they said to her, you're out of your mind. Why? Why is she out of her mind? Because she's a woman. No.
0: I'm just kidding. Oh, my I'm just God. Whoa. Wow!
1: I am joking.
0: Although, P.S., if you look back at the way this is recorded in Luke's gospel, you find women giving the witness and being there like, whatever. Yeah, for sure. So I actually might not be joking in hindsight, but I really was just trying to make <laughs> but, a joke in the moment. Okay. But they think How are we doing, everybody? They, everybody
1: good? They think she's out of her mind because they're like, cough it, he's dead. They think he's dead, yeah. Right, that's the like, other reason. Yes. Uh, but she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued uh, knocking, uh, which I just love, that Peter's just like, let me in, let me in. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Um, Now, when day came, there was no little disturbance. Why? Because Peter's not there anymore. Uh, and Herod is searching for him, and it says they did not find him. He examined the centuries in order that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caes- Caesarea and spent time there. So he's going back – like I love this because it seems like he's going back to the area of Cornelius, right? Like Peter's mm-hmm. already – the last time he went to Caesarea was when? Was to meet up uh, with Cornelius, yeah. right? And so now he's going back down there again. I, I I know that this isn't said here. I kind of like to think that maybe he's going back to hang out with Cornelius, but uh, because I just love the idea that maybe Peter is, he's coming to this in a way. I know that that's not here. That's some canonical imagination, but wouldn't that be cool if Peter's headed back to Cornelius's house at this moment? Um, he's been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. Uh, he's been persecuted for it. Now he's going back to one who once would have been a persecutor. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, And going back to Caesarea. So it says hangry. uh, Hangry. Hangry. Oh, Uh -oh. boy. Tells you what
0: time of day it (laughs) is. Yep. Now, Herod was
1: angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, having persuaded Blastus. Come on, y'all. Everybody
0: name your kid The king's
1: chamberlain. I mean, Blastus. Come on, for real? I'm in, dude. I'm in. Blastus. I mean... That's a great name. <laughs> I just, I love that, that this dude is
0: named Blastus. You could have a little boy named Blastus Warley.
1: Oh, nah, yeah, I don't know about that. I just love that it's in the story. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. And on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of God and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by yeah, worms. Yeah, there you go come on let's get to that
0: Mm -hmm. that's a tough way to go
1: eaten by worms and breathed as last that's it
0: got a bad piece of pork
1: (laughs) clearly (laughs) Uh, but I love the next thing Herod's eaten by worms and breathed but the word of God increased and Mm -hmm. multiplied Yeah. well I mean that's just a crazy part of this story why are you guys not freaking out about this I've read it before (laughs) 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 this is my first time (laughs) this feels like it yeah, I mean, you, here, here's what you
2: have. You've got a, an interesting dynamic here. You have Herod setting himself up over against the church, mm-hmm. and you have two very different things happening to apostles. One is killed. Another one <laughs> has this divine escape, right? Yeah. And you have to ask yourself the question, Is was God providential? over the escape, but somehow missed it Yeah, yeah. with James, right? And mm-hmm. the answer is no. Like, mm-hmm. God is providential over all of this. Or, or uh, I think, oh, gosh, who was it? I think it was Tertullian that the blood of the martyrs is the, is the seeds of the churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget the exact mm-hmm. phrase. But here's what you see. You see the word of God going forward, whether it's through death or through life, mm-hmm. that Herod, the man who sets himself up as the opposition to God by claiming to speak on God's behalf himself – No matter how you oppose it, whether you let it go forward or whether you kill it, either way, it's going to multiply. I just find that to be incredibly good news in the middle of of just what feels like a really challenging cultural season, that both persecution, challenge that that the church is facing, uh, not so much in the global west, but globally, what we have confidence in, and I think what this text can give us confidence in, is that the word of God is going to continue to increase and multiply regardless of what our fate is that we don't have to be fatalistic about anything, that some of us are going to have stories of Peter. Others of us are going to have stories of James, but regardless, the mission goes forward.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, Luke includes in his gospel account the story of John the Baptist mm-hmm. asking of Jesus, are you the one or should we expect another? So he has been setting this tension up for them all along. That's right. Um, and I think also the whole worms uh, eating him and, and him breathing his last. Gosh, doesn't that sound a lot like something in Exodus? Like someone declares himself a god, and then yeah, that's right. There's a plague.
2: You have you have you have, an, you have a type of pharaoh here. Yeah, you have a if type you set of yourself up against God's salvific purposes and mm-hmm. promises, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. doesn't ever go well for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what have we learned about? Following Jesus about the church in in this early half of Acts, the first half of Acts, what are some things that we've learned? Where do we still feel confusion or do we have questions? I'll tell you, just an area where I still have some questions, having looked at this more closely over the last couple of months with you, is what uh, spiritual experiences should I understand to be normative?
0: (laughs) Well, that's an easy question.
1: I mean, I I mean it. Like There are angelic appearances all over over the book of Acts, in the first half of Acts in particular. Mm Mm-hmm. What about that? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a legitimate question. There are different streams of our theological universe, yeah. uh, all within orthodoxy, that answer that question differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'll tell you, I'm I'm probably less, I'm probably less certain about this than I was when we started looking at the Book of Acts.
0: Yeah, I, I think I would say that. I think, um, I I think it's not the question that the Book of Acts is trying to answer. Mm. Uh, I think that the book of Acts is answering a bigger question, and it it is telling particular stories to help us answer that question, and that's what's the nature of the church, what is, uh, you know, this is a birth narrative of the church, and just as there were angelic messengers and announcements at the birth of Christ, um, and just as there were angelic appearances at the birth of the nation of Israel, uh, that we should expect that this is telling us something in a particular way for a particular reason, and beyond that, I think we should be be really careful to ask um how i mean what birth narrative are, are we living in right now why are you kyle's I, doing I, like a oh snap
1: i feel like she was kind me. of snapping on me like listen um kyle i understand that that's a question you're asking but, but it's a dumb I don't question think it's, I don't think it's, really it's a question. dumb
0: question. no well i do think it is important to we we want to we want to ask and answer the question that luke is trying to ask and answer so um I think it's okay to ask that question, but to expect that you're going to gain clarity around a question about that in a text that isn't primarily concerned with it, I think is 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 just probably not going to be Fair
2: something enough. you're
0: going to get a lot of mileage out of.
2: Yep. This may seem fairly uh, simple. I mean, it's something I probably would have said beforehand, but I just think I see it a little bit clear now, having spent the last few weeks, months in Acts, uh, what you believe about Jesus really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Those who set themselves up in opposition to Jesus and his mission, things mm-hmm. go really badly for them. Mm-hmm. Those who are claiming Jesus, things might go bad for I them. I was going to say. <laughs> it's not, it's not, this isn't like a health uh-huh. and a wealth. Things are going to go uh-huh. good for you if you follow yeah. Jesus. But what we do know is if you set yourself in line with God's mission, things are going to go well overall yes. for you. Yep.
0: So one of the things that keeps just rolling around in my head the whole time we've been in this these first few chapters and this is not what I expected my takeaway to be from the book of Acts is that within Christian subculture we have this low-level Christian karma belief that if I make a good choice God will bless me if I make a bad choice God will remove blessing from me Mm -hmm. and that the way I can tell what a good choice is is if I feel peace about it when I make it Mm -hmm. and if you read the book of Acts I just have a hard time believing that as the church is walking forward in faithfulness, that they had a ton of peace in the moment. Because why are they praying for boldness if they felt that? You know what they're asking? They're saying, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So I think this book kind of blows up that whole Mm-hmm. Uh, false teaching of uh do the right thing and blessing will follow and you will have peace about it. Because what we see is do the right thing and hardship will follow, and you will beg the Lord to grant you boldness to keep going. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that's a really good point. I really do.
0: It's not a fluffy and warm No. And then worms will eat your body <laughs> oh, at the end. <laughs> Go home.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. Um I think there, There's another thing that I was thinking about this morning, actually, on the road in. And I was on the road in. I said, like, like a, like a weary traveler. When you, when you came I made into the, town. the, the oh, sojourn yeah. from Richardson this morning, and it
0: was a long road. and Bye, camel. Um,
1: <laughs> so, no, but uh, I was thinking about this more. One of the things that and I don't know if this just seems, again, maybe it's one of those things that just seems obvious after you realize it. But when we talk about the connection between spirit and. What the work of the spirit is we've you know we 've been at pain to point out that the primary work of the spirit is self deferential that he 's testifying of Christ right right, but one of the things that we taught that maybe we haven 't spent as much time for is that do you I really believe now looking at the book of Acts that the apostles were uniquely ready to begin to engage with the holy spirit 's activity in their life and in the world around them. Because they had walked with Jesus intimately for years.
0: That's the witness piece. They keep saying, you will be my witnesses. And then it says, we are witnesses. Exactly.
1: So there is this... Uh, I think sometimes we see the Spirit fall in Pentecost and we're like, Mm -hmm. now they're ready to Mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, 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 no. They have been walking with Jesus for years. And so when we think about intimacy with the Spirit or when we think about walking with the Spirit, I think that the witness between the Gospels and Acts is this, that you are not prepared to walk in the Spirit unless you are Walking with Jesus, Mm -hmm. that you are fixed and focused on him, that as we've said before, to be spirit filled means to be centered on Christ. That is what it means. And it can come with some other things, but the centerpiece of it, like the, the meal that the spirit is giving to his people is not more of the spirit. It's more of Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? Mm hmm. That's exactly right. Right, mm-hmm. and over and over again, as you've been as you've been at pains to point out, when the Spirit is moving, we see that the natural outflow of that seems to be, and they preached the Jesus. Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so, and,
2: and, I, and to do that,
1: because like then the question is like,
2: well, what like what does that mean? Right. It means to both preach and live the message of the cross. Mm-hmm. Is that the Spirit? Uh, is continually calling Jesus' disciples into suffering, laying down their preferences and desires for the sake of the kingdom of God. The spirit-filled life, yes, we have victory in the spirit. Yes, period, victory. But the victory usually doesn't look like the victory of this world. It is the continual life that Jesus calls peter and therefore the whole church into are you looking for a political ruler who Mm -hmm. isn't going to suffer die and be crucified or are you looking for a political ruler who is going to do exactly that and call you to follow him Mm -hmm. only the spirit of god would call us into something like that and empower us for that kind of mission and that's really the story of the book of acts
1: yep Absolutely. And I hope that you'll continue to journey with us as we jump into next semester, season four of Knowing Faith. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to be attempting to answer some listener submitted questions i feel like we need to start under promising and over delivering on our q a episodes uh
0: don't worry but, everyone i'm here to help
1: yes jen is gonna <laughs> jen is gonna keep it moving and but it is it is a late hour and uh, i'm hungry so it could be will's off, will's off let's do it i in. But yeah you're in me and you all right see you next time grace and peace